Okay, so I have the first question I'm going to ask is I'm going to try and make this interactive today. Um, so I'm going to be asking questions if, if uh, you know, um, if nobody asks my answers my questions, well, I'm I'm just going to some of my lessons are like that, I'm afraid. So um, I'm a maths teacher, by the way. Um, what or who do you go to to find wisdom or truth? Wisdom and truth are important things that we often seek, especially at difficult times in our lives. What or whom do you go to seek those things? For some of us, for many of us, it's our parents. And I'm sure there's a couple of teenagers who are in the audience who are probably rolling their eyes like... Okay. It's... It might be uh, an uncle or a grandparent. Um, it c might be um, maybe a teacher. Maybe not me, but um, maybe a teacher that you specifically like or respect. It may be a friend or a relative, someone that understands you or knows us best or always seems to say the right things and have their life sorted out. For some people it might be books or knowledge and for others it might be science and logic and reason. There's no problem that can't be solved or have the most optimal solution if you think it through. Now naturally for us as Christians the answer is and should be obviously God. But sometimes it can feel, he can feel a little distant or elusive and to try and find the wisdom and truth from God can feel a little bit difficult and so how are we supposed to hear what God is saying how do we know what God's answers are well we're starting a new series well a series that we start every year at this time and we look through uh, the the core principles of this church. So the series is starting with, I think, the most important one, the reason why we're called an evangelical, we consider ourselves an evangelical one, uh, church. Eva evangel just means gospel. I know that evangelical in, in America can be a bit of a dirty word at the moment because it's associated with some politicians. And so half of the country find it a difficult word. In Britain, it's considered to be the more stuffy, conservative, scholarly, academic Christians. And so for that, it's seen to be kind of something that is associated with boring people. But evangel just means gospel. So evangelical means that we hold the truth of the Bible to be paramount. And so today I'm going to be talking about the authority of the Bible and how as Christians it should be the very words of God. Let me pray as we go on. Father, I pray that you speak through my words today, that uh, we look at your word and see um, you speaking directly to us. Teach us, mould us, change us through your words, not through my words, Lord. Lord, I pray that you speak through me, in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I try and run Christian meetings in schools, and I, I know that's a bit of a foreign thing to our, you know, people from different countries, because I know that in America, Bibles are banned in schools. I know that in Australia, it's the same. 
but in Britain you're still allowed to run Christian meetings in school and so every school I've been in and including uh, uh, where I'm teaching now I try and run Christian meetings in school what's important I find important is that for the first couple of sessions I need to establish the Bible and its authority and its authenticity so for the first two sessions I go through that the, the, its authority and its authenticity so I'm going to ask some questions and I hope that some of you well all of you are awake enough to answer some questions and brave enough to answer some of the questions so I'm going to horrify people now and say that this is one of my favorite books yes it's true some you know maths teachers do have their favorite books and this is one of my favorite books now I'm going to ask an easy question. What kind of book is it? It's a textbook, I hear. It's a mathematics textbook. How do we know that? It says it on the front. Yeah, and I'm a maths teacher. So it says it on the front. Nice and easy. Okay. How do we know whether it's a good maths textbook? That's a harder question. How do we know it's a good maths textbook? If you <laughs> okay, how do we know that it's a maths text that's good at explaining things or at teaching things or it's useful? How do we know that? Sorry? I told you. So you got my recommendation. Well, that's going to come down to the, the, what you know of me and my reputation and, and then obviously as I teach you're going to make up your mind whether I'm a good teacher or not a good teacher um, and whether you can trust me. So, my recommendation, what else might, how else, about When you read it, you'll know. How will you know when you read it? Okay, so it does the job that it's it's supposed to do. Okay, it helps you to solve the it helps you to solve the problems. Okay, so how am I, how am I relating this to the Bible? Let's take this back to the Bible. We're going to look at. Okay, the Bible has so many different books in it, but each of the books it's very clear what the purpose of the books are. Uh, the books are, and within itself they. The, the, uh, it relates which, uh, which parts uh, are for which purpose. So there is the law, and there is the history, and then there are the tales of, of well, the, the, the recordings of Jesus, and then there are the epistles, which are Paul's letters to churches, um, and Peter's, um, so, which tell us how to live. Okay, so within itself, there are a couple of things that we need to think about within this book if it's not consistent within itself then we have a problem and the same with the Bible if it's not consistent within itself then we have a problem ironically the first printing of this which unfortunately I don't have I wish I'd kept a hold of it if you opened the cover the front said Core Mathematics 1 but if you opened the cover it said Pure Mathematics 1 <laughs> Because what they've done is they've just repackaged the old one, and it used to be pure maths, and now they changed the title to core maths. So they had been really lazy, and they hadn't bothered changing the title. 
Also the first printing of this, which had to be sent back, had tons of mistakes in it. So I got my students to go through and cross out a lot of the answers and put in the right answers. And that's a problem. That makes us immediately distrust it. But actually when you look at it, it's got some nice, nicely laid out parts and actually, you'll, you'll find that when you, if you had a look at that book, you'd find that it's quite nice and easy to understand. So we need to test it. And we need to see whether it tallies not only with itself, but what, what we already know. So this is, a, this is an A-level textbook. This means that you should have done about uh, 50, you know, sorry, 10 years of uh, schooling before you get to this point. And if what you know already doesn't tally with this, then you've got a question. Is it that I was taught wrong first? Or is it that this book is wrong? And the same with the Bible. If it doesn't make sense with reality, is it that we don't have a full good understanding of reality? Or is it that the Bible is wrong? Let's question that, but test it as well. And talk to people who know. So you would talk to your maths teacher and you would say, is it that my understanding of maths has been wrong all along, or is it that the book is wrong? Okay, and depending on how much you trust your maths teacher, you, you make your decisions. Well, I think the Bible comes out pretty well on that, but we'll come back to some of those points, and hopefully I will answer some of that, those points as we go through the sermon. Here's another question. What is the Bible about? And if you don't know this answer, it's really important as a Christian. What is the Bible about? As Christians here, we should all be able to say it. It reminds me of that tale, and I've told it before, of that pastor who asked his Sunday school, he said, what is furry, has a bushy tail, and lives in the park? And a nervous young man put up his hand and he said, I know the answer's Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> you see, as Christians, a lot of our answers are Jesus. A lot of the time, if you've been to Sunday school, you can relate to that because a lot of the answers are Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. And it's there in the name, isn't it? We are Christians. Christ is there at the centre. Jesus Christ is what the Bible is about. Um, if you've got your Bibles, and I do encourage you to open your Bibles, normally we would actually be preaching uh, from a passage. This is what we like to do as evangelists. Normally we preach from a, a passage, and then we're uh, doing exposition from the passage. Because we, we've, uh, we've got these core values, uh, we're going to be dotting around the Bible generally to support those and to, uh, to help you understand why those are our core values. Uh, so it's a little bit different for this series, um, but uh, we generally use the ESV version. So if you've got um, your phones and you're, you can change versions, we're looking at the ESV version, English Standard Version. Uh, looking at Matthew 5, 
Matthew 5, verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. That means the Old Testament scriptures. The law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. Unless we believe, see, unless we believe that Jesus is either lying or crazy, then he is saying that the whole of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, is pointing to him. Let me say that again. Unless we believe that Jesus is either lying or crazy, and this means that we should really examine Jesus' life to see whether he is someone who we can trust or we think he's mad, then he is saying that the whole of the Old Testament is pointing at him. And I believe, and I heard this a long time ago and I wasn't sure about it, I do believe that any part of the, the Bible can point to Jesus, can be used to teach about Jesus. And I've become more and more convinced this as, as I've grown as a Christian and I've learned more and more about the Bible. Yes, even the strange Old Testament laws, they point to Jesus. And then we have the four Gospels which relate and record the life of Jesus. Then we have Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, a book recording the spread of the news of Jesus. And then we have many letters explaining what a life of Jesus, uh, serving Jesus entails. Living a life worthy of God, living a life worthy of Jesus. And finally we come to Revelation, and I'm going to read from chapter 5. If you want to turn to chapter 5, then, then please do. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Everyone would know that this was God. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated in the throne a scroll, scroll written with, uh, within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the, seal and break, uh, sorry, open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in earth, heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now we know that this descendant of David, this Lion of Judah, the tribe of Judah, is Jesus. And let me read on. And between the throne and uh, the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayer of the saints and they sang a new song saying 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and your blood, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nations. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth, on the earth. And it goes on, and throughout Revelation we get this image of the Lamb being there at the end of time, ruling over everything, taking the throne, the Lamb who was Jesus, who is Jesus. And we see that right from the beginning all the way to the end, it is about Jesus. The sacrifice that was made to bring God's people back to him, to save us as God's people, and how he is worthy of our praise and worship and living our lives for him. It's no mistake that at the beginning of John's Gospel, John refers to Jesus as the Word. Because the Word, the Bible, is about Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. And let's turn to that, John chapter 1. Some of you know it by heart, or for some of you it's very, very familiar. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And um, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he who I'm uh, whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one who has ever seen God, the only God who is at the, Father, the Father's side, has made him known. You see, John says this man, was, this Christ, was before him. John was born before Jesus. But he says that Jesus was before him. He says from the start of time, this word, this light, 
And right here we see the purpose of Jesus. We see the purpose of the Word. We see the purpose of the Bible. It's twofold. First, we see right at the centre of the passage, and we looked at this uh, repeatedly last year when we were studying John, the chiasmus that points to that central verse, verse 12. But to all who receive him, to those who believe his na- in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He died that we might have access and right to become children of God. Not because we are born into it. Not because we are born into the right race or the right country or the right family or the right socio-economic background. But because God wills it. That is the nature of grace that C.S. Lewis talks about. The most important thing, the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion is grace. It's God-given salvation not because of anything we've done, but solely because of what God's done. The second purpose of Jesus is found at the end, and this is what the more important thing for this topic. No one who has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, has made him known. God enable, so Jesus enables us to know God. Nobody has ever seen God. If not for Jesus, the story of those four blind men feeling, you know, trying to discern what an elephant is, is something that's very valid. I don't, have, you, have you heard this, this story? It's used uh, you know, for multi-faith uh, ideas. There were four blind men, and they were trying to discern what an elephant was. And one of, the, uh, uh, one of the blind men says, it's like a really strong, tough snake. And the other one says, it's just like an immovable wall. You're wrong. It's, it's just like an immovable wall. And the third one says, no, you're both wrong. It's like a tree. It's a big tree trunk. And the fourth one says, it's really quite smelly, but... It's like a a rope. And you can see that each of them were were feeling up a different part of God. And the purpose of that story is that we can't know God. Because God is too big for us and we are blind to God. And therefore, each of us has our own different personal experience with God. And each of us is perfectly true and valid. So my understanding of God is as valid as your understanding of God. And that would be true. Unless the elephant could speak and tell all of those four men about himself or herself. And reveal him, you know, reveal the elephant's nature to those blind men. And this is what Jesus has done. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. And he reveals himself to us. And so it is important that we read his words. While creation is evidence enough, as Paul says in Romans 1, 
And yes, each of us has an imperfect view of God. And it's good to surround yourself with godly people and Christians so you can learn more about God. And you can learn plenty about God through knowing other people. But what is our source of knowing God? Surely our purest source is the Bible, God's Word. So when we ask the question, how can we know God and his wisdom and the answers to our questions to him? Well, to know God is to know Jesus, to look at Jesus, and how the whole of the Bible, both from the start to the end, points to Jesus. We need to know our Bible. You see, if you go out on the street and you ask people what they think about God, and even those who would call themselves Christians, you would get a lot of disagreement about who, was God, who God is and what he's like. The reason why I think it's so important to establish the authority and authenticity of the Bible, both in my school meetings and in church, and for all Christians, is because otherwise we're just relating our imperfect view of God. Otherwise, I'm telling you what I think God is like, what I've worked out. It's my opinion, and that's subjective. It's my view, and nobody wants that. We encourage you to read the Bible for yourselves and question and make up your own mind. We encourage you as we preach to open up the Bible and to analyse the passages. And as we do expositional teaching, it is looking at what the passage says, not just in isolation but with the whole of the Bible and hopefully relating to real life as well, showing you that it makes sense. Do talk to us if you disagree with what we say up here. My final passage is one of my memory verses from when I was a boy, and in my opinion, one of the most important passages, for, certainly for me, in the Bible. It's looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're reading from verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have firmly believed, knowing from whom what you, uh, whom you learnt it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is god breathed uh, sorry is is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work you see, like the maths textbook here, I've got here, Paul is encouraging you to continue in what you have learnt from the beginning. So he's talking primarily to Jews here who will have, been, uh, will have grown up with the Old Testament scriptures. They would have been steeped in it. It was their history. It was their music. It was their poetry. That was what they were taught in schools in just about every lesson. 
Elsewhere, he says that if anyone teaches you any other gospel, may he be damned. It's the scriptures that make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And surely that's what we want. Again, Paul is saying that the Old Testament scriptures find their fulfillment in Jesus and by faith in him. Finally, um, as I learnt it as a boy, where I learned all scriptures God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This means that we have, we need nothing more than the Bible to equip us for every good work. We need nothing more than the Bible to equip us for every good work. And I'm not saying that Christian books, other Christian books aren't good, or that you can't learn a great deal from biographies of great Christian saints from down the years, or from the example of Christians surrounding yourself with godly Christian people, or that we can't learn just naturally as we live our lives and we rub up against other people. But we should be checking that learning against what the Bible says. And it should be our authority on all things of being a Christian. Elsewhere, Peter describes Paul's writings as scriptures. And so confirms the authority of Paul. Certainly uh, in clear contradiction to those who would say that there's a a difference between Peter and Paul, who drive a wedge between Peter and Paul. There is no difference there. Read Peter's and Paul's writings, and if you find a disagreement there, I would you know, say talk to somebody or read up about it. I often get the question, but Sam, what about the contradictions in the Bible? Well, these are worth thinking on and praying on and researching and talking to wiser heads. But after years of reading and learning, I do not believe that there are contradictions in the Bible. Now, that's a bold statement, I think. I'm pretty sure that's a very bold statement. It's not a challenge. Please don't see it as a challenge to go home and find any contradictions and then come back to me and say, Samper, what about this? You know, come up to it, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure Eric afterwards will be happy to answer all your questions about those. But do, do think and pray, or if you come across contradictions, or you find teaching that's difficult to understand, or teaching that you find difficult to relate to real life, and I'm not saying that uh, there aren't still a couple of passages where I find, uh, I find it difficult. Do come and ask us. Do pray on them. And think on this. If you don't believe, well, if you believe in a God who created the heavens and the earth, the complexities of not just the human body of which we're still struggling to understand, uh, or let alone recreate, even with all of us wonderful scientific advancements. Not just the human body, but the entirety of life and how it interacts with, with, with each other. 
I'm learning a lot about how, the environmental damage that we're doing, but also the robustness of the earth and how, despite all our damage, it is it's doing its kind of it, yeah the earth is is doing its best to kind of withstand all of this damage. And that's the same with human human body. We can damage it so much and yet come back from that. The God who created all of that, how can you believe in a God who did that and yet not believe that he would preserve his word to present it to you? Yes, there might be a couple of things where the translations are, are slightly odd or slightly different, but the core message through the ages has always been the same. This Jesus came and died for you. So that by faith in that death, not by anything else, we are saved and we have a promised place in heaven and in his family. So the question and the application comes, where do you seek your wisdom and your truth? If not the Bible, as a Christian, why not? What is it that you do, what makes you not trust it? If you believe in a creator God, if you are not reading your Bible and seeking to learn more about God, why not? And this is a challenge for, for me as well, because I've, I'm afraid I've fallen out of the habit of reading the Bible daily. I don't think it's necessary to make you a Christian, but I think it's incredibly beneficial. And I would highly advise you to do it. But I, I know that I am guilty of not doing the same thing. And I know it can become a chore and it can feel mindless. But if it is the source of all knowledge and wisdom, and sh the surest way to know our Creator God and have a relationship with Him and to know His answers, and to live as peaceful a life as we can. This God who created us, who loves us and who wants the best for us, then why not? Why aren't we doing that? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for preserving your word and presenting it to us. We thank you that we can so openly study your Bible, so freely access your Bible when we know that there are many people who don't have that. Lord, help us not to take your word for granted. Lord, help us to learn more about you and learn more about how you speak through your word. And Lord, change us to love and desire to, to read your word, to love and desire to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.